Welcome to Gateway Geek, a podcast for those wondering what this geek thing is all about. I'm your moderator, Jess Aducci. This week on Gateway Geek, we play with an interesting topic that some insist might be just for kids. Let's look at toy collecting. Today we have Ryan and Jennifer Bell of the Peg Warmers podcast. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hello. And Nick Aducci, my husband, animator, geek, and tonight my co-moderator. Hello, everyone. Uh, here at Gateway Geek, we've discussed uh, overall geekdom, the definition of a geek, explored geek community, and lots of geeky properties, and then gone over what I'd call more mainstream areas like movies and television. People are probably already watching movies and television, so we figured it'd be a good place to start. Today, we venture into unexplored territory. I personally am a geek about many things, but toys, dolls, stuffed animals, action figures, whatever you call them, well, that isn't an area I know much at all about. Um, Nick? I only know some as... uh, They're not even really toys. They're uh, mostly like little figures that uh, animators use as reference. Um, I'm familiar with that because I've used them before, but... And I've made my own little clay models, but honestly, my only other experience is with playing with the D and D figurines. And that's um, technically those aren't really toys. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you call them toys? Yeah, <laughs> I, I they 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 pass in their own right. They're they're a little different because they're not articulated. Like, but they're still toys that aren't articulated. But that that can we can talk about that later. Well, remember we have a bunch of geek interested newbies listening. People yeah. we're trying to introduce to geekdom. Um, so although they might be interested in more traditional media, like I said, like movies and t- television and stuff like that, um, they might not get the toy thing at all. So let's start there. Um, I have a billion questions. What is toy collecting? Why do it? Just just start with that. Well, devil's advocate rebuttal question. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Why do you care about what you like? Because you like it, right? Well, like, sure, you like, sure. You like it. And so I think for me, I know for a fact, it's just, it's just another way of enjoying what you appreciate, whether you appreciate it as a show, whether it's a TV show or a movie or a comic or anything like that. It's another avenue by which you can enjoy that thing that you love. I won't have a single action figure of something and then I'll watch the show for the first time or uh, or something and I'm like, oh, goodness. And then I find an action figure of it right away. For example, hmm. yesterday Jennifer and I watched The Little Prince. Mm-hmm. It's a movie that – The, the new get, animation? Yeah, it didn't get brought over here. But we ended up getting getting to watch it. And what did we do? Like, first thing we did after after watching it was what, Jennifer? <laughs> we found the little fox from the movie, the little stuffed fox companion. And immediately purchased it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, that, it's, a, it's just another, oh, I love that movie. I want to I engage it, be a part of it in another fashion. A lot of the stuff that I like, it's... Uh, you know, it's cartoons or comics or whatever, and then brought into a 3D realm. Is it the tactile nature of it then? I, I definitely like the tactile nature of it, uh, with action figures in particular. For me, I open stuff. So mm-hmm. there's, there's even within toy collecting, there's, there's differences. People will like to keep things in the box. Um, they'll hunt it down in multiple copies in order to keep it in the box and to open it as well. Um, uh, I open it because I do 
I am a tactile learner in a lot of ways. So I like the feel, I like opening them up. I like them being able to move, which is why I lean towards stuff that has uh, more points of articulation. The more points of articulation I'm usually in favor of, uh, I like that they have points of articulation. I can put them in poses and do whatever I want. So is it mainly things that are fantastical but brought in but brought to life in a little miniature form that you tend to go for or is it more like uh even if you saw i don't know uh captain america as a little figure you'd get that too because it has articulation and all that is it more playing with it that's the fun part or is it I, i'm i'm curious like what subject matter is really it wouldn't for me and jennifer you can pipe in for me it's not just like oh i you know this you know this comic character that I like or this TV show character, animated character that I like finally has a 3D representation of it. It's more just like, oh, I love Captain America and there's an action figure of him. And so it's hmm. it's more of an extension of I appreciate that character. I appreciate that that media, whatever it might be. And it, action figures are just another, another way for me to – in my preferred way to spend time in that universe or spend time with that character again. Just like you would, like someone would watch all the Lord of the Rings extended editions and the ridiculous amount of behind the scenes <laughs> content, right? Someone, certainly not Nick. No, I would never <laughs> do that. <laughs> and not certainly myself either. Uh, or or watch all nine seasons of Seinfeld in short order. Um, you know, like it's the same difference for me in the sense that it's just another avenue with which – like for whatever reason, for example – I love the flame trooper design from the new Star Wars Force Awakens. And uh you know, I usually collect nicer, higher end action figures and stuff. But Jennifer and I were at Target the other day and found a tiny little play school flame trooper and I was like, That's awesome and then we like, bought it right away. And so <laughs> it's just cause I like, you know, the flame trooper. So it's another another flame trooper to throw on my desk somewhere. So even though I don't have a huge collection of the play school superheroes or whatever they are like it's just an, again it's the 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 character that i'm getting to enjoy again mm -hmm. so is that is that the same for you jen yeah i mean the the word that always comes to mind uh when we get action figures and that kind of thing is i uh, i feel like i'm just participating in a franchise in a different way than some people and we i mean we already talked about just the more tactile experience and then um, you also just come to, after a while, appreciate the craftsmanship, like Ryan mentioned, the points of articulation, and uh, and then he'll notice different, like, armor bits, you know, like he likes certain, certain looks and certain armor, so even if we don't know the franchise or watch the show in particular, if uh, you just start to appreciate a, a job well done on on figures, and then also, you know, just like any type of collection, it taps into um, the completionists. You know, we all get crazy about, you know, something as silly as the the 50 state quarters. You know, people will collect that, all those and everything. And then you start to get into like, oh, well, I have most of the Avengers, but I'm missing Hulk. I don't really care about Hulk, but he would look so cool with all mm. the other Avengers and that kind of thing. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I think there are a few different motivations that can lead to that. That kind of leads to perhaps a side question. 
Um, you say tactile is kind of the main, like, it's it's the reason to get one of these little things. It's these little talismans of kind of the things you love um, that you're watching. There's there's all these behaviors around having a toy uh, or or whatever they are, figures. Um, yeah. There's the keeping them. There's arranging them. There's the articulating them. There's also the painting them of some of them. Mm -hmm, there's also the putting mm -hmm. them together, like assembling them of some of them. Yeah. Like are all the various realms things you just partake in or is it like you really got to focus on one or several or something like to enjoy it? Do you see other toy collectors as different species of toy collectors because they take different ones? <laughs> it's like, how do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely depends on the type of collectible and then I uh... I don't know if we want to get into this now, but the in-box and out-of-box discussion, you know, because people who are in-box or people who like statues, it's more like collecting art, but in 3D form. But then for us, like, Ryan likes to set up scenes, and then he also likes to customize them um, and, and, you know, do painting, and he's getting into molding and stuff himself, and that's a whole different realm of enjoying it so i think it just it depends on the collector and it depends on uh the exact type of toy or collectible that you go after i haven't really considered it that way even though i know plenty of people who um are getting into kind of the sculpture aspect of it you know the the molding the personalizing the painting you know even setting up scenes is kind of it, it i mean that's artistic that's those are creative oh, yeah. choices that you're oh, making yeah. we've talked in previous podcasts all the different uh, you know like i mentioned we've talked about movies and television and in the first podcast we talked about the fact that as we were trying to figure out okay what what is geeky like what properties or where you know yeah. where can you find geeky things we basically just sort of decided you know any entertainment medium but i've been thinking since then um because i ran into ran into uh discovered someone on facebook who wants to kind of bring in high fashion and how that ties into geekdom because it oh, most yeah. certainly does so in kind of defining you know toy collecting this way and saying okay well here's the many reasons you guys do it uh and, and any toy collector does it's not just kids going to buy toys which i think is what a lot of a lot of the public at large would would think is just oh what are you are you like big kids just buying toys and taking them home and playing with them or what you know what are you doing um they're not understanding that it's actually that too is an art form essentially it doesn't have to be a maquette statue you know to go oh right. that's a sculpture i can appreciate you know whatever okay you like you said you you appreciate the the points of articulation you know that it's amazing what they can do with toys it's <laughs> nuts oh, which which by the way okay toys action figures doll, <laughs> like what do we call them? Well, it depends on what it is. Because if it is a doll, it's a doll. And <laughs> well, what's fine. a doll? Well, you know, usually, honestly, they're pretty self-identified. Barbie dolls, Monster High dolls, uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's the real creepy kind of dolls. But anyway, <laughs> and then action figures, toys. I mean, toys is probably the umbrella category. Okay. And then from there, yeah, you've got you've got distinctions of dolls or action figures or you An know action figure means articulated right I, I, yeah that's the action part of figures uh is the articulation because you'll even find i think it's first uh, i can't remember what it's called there's a company that makes zelda figures as they call them mm -hmm. but they're static statues mm. uh, they might just be made of plastic or something instead of something else and so that's why they call it a figure uh, but it's static, and so the action figure nomenclature, I think, 
yeah, primarily refers to the fact that there's articulation and okay. they act and do stuff. So then <laughs> is the doll mainly a it's just a static inert thing you dress up? Is that what that is? <laughs> well, no, I think dolls have a lot of moving parts too, uh, especially nowadays. I know, I mean, Barbie, for example, has, you know, maybe not 26 or something nuts, but their arms and legs move. And even now they'll have knees and elbows, very similar to what you would see on a lot of action figures that are at that kind of pay scale uh, or price scale. Uh, but the, I think one of the bigger differences is that they are usually bigger than s- six inches and less is usually the common action figure realm mm. uh, outside of higher end stuff. So dolls mm. are usually a little bit more like in the 10 or 12 inches. And then mm. uh, th- with with dolls, honestly, it's the hair. They'll have that. <laughs> they'll have that, root- that. They'll have that rooted <laughs> hair. And so, I mean, I. You're asking someone who knows nothing about dolls to define <laughs> dolls to you. So I'm probably butchering it, and I apologize. I'm trying to do your your uh, your choice of, of toy here justice, but I admittedly fall short. There are really interesting ones now that play to popular culture. Monster, Monster High, uh, which I believe is Mattel, just knocked it out of the park as far as good marketing and timely product because it's these horror-themed dolls. They've got a zombie doll. They've got a... A mummy doll. They've got a vampire doll. They've got you know the whole gamut of crazy creatures, and they're monopolizing on the vampire, werewolf, post-apocalyptic <laughs> thing that our kids are reading up for whatever reason. But you know, and it's working. Mm-hmm. And then even as adult collectors of horror and stuff, they they find this very you know feminine, fashionable versions of their horror characters as another unique way of you know experiencing that again so we've kind of talked about you know the art side of it um being able to look at toys a little differently that way um but why again just kind of keeping that newbie in mind keeping you know they don't they're not really into geekdom but they're they're kind of interested and by geekdom we kind of mean the sci-fi fantasy you know all of that so why would someone who's interested in geekdom uh give toy collecting a chance well well nowadays it's so easy to find your stuff it's it's so easy to find figures and toys and stuff connected to so many different things out there. I mean, even once upon a time, which is, you know, taking those those stories and making them a little more realistic in the sense of putting them in a live action sense, like they're just getting action figures now. Mm. And that's not a show that like that show has a broader has a broader reception. It's not just super geeky people who who love fantasy, you know, it it, it hits a little broader. So even there's action figures. So if you like if you like something, uh, Google it. See if there's merchandise out there on it, and I guarantee you, it's very it's very likely that there is. I mean, Pops Funko Pops. <laughs> yeah, if you like anything, there's a pop for it these days. It's uh, so there's there's really there's really uh, introductory level things like Funko Pops that are they just hit that cuteness factor. The way that they've they just they just found a really interesting design that plays to a lot, excuse me a lot of different styles of characters and stuff. I mean, there's football mm-hmm. pops. You mean like bobbleheads? Uh, some sometimes <laughs> pops are bobbleheads, sometimes they're not. 
And, uh, and yeah, they have football. You know, so if you got a favorite football player, you know, you can start with your action figure collecting on on something like that. Jen, can you think of any any other tie-ins besides you know just being a fan of something? I mean, Ryan, you're completely right. There's a ton out there for shows and properties that aren't you know considered quote geeky yeah um that they're just you know really popular characters and so these toy companies are like well then we're gonna put out a figure and then suddenly you have that figure on your desk at work and it's not yeah a toy you know suddenly it's not embarrassing because it's you know it's a normal person from a normal show that's not <laughs> wrong right you know but but are there any other special interests or any anything else that that people you know would enjoy and go, oh, that has to do with toys or that, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean that question of why why would someone want to start collecting or get into to toy collecting or that kind of thing. I mean, it can be uh, surprisingly a high, highly relational thing. Um, hmm. You know, a lot of people, uh, pops are just a, an easy example, but they'll display their pop collection on their living room wall or in their office or game room or something. And it's just a fun thing to share when you invite people over and a, a good way to start conversation like, Oh, Hey, yeah. you like that? Um, or, Oh, I loved that when I was a kid. That's awesome. And then you all of a sudden have a conversation piece. And then for Ryan and me, like we've literally made friends from collecting, like you get into Facebook groups of people who all are collecting the same thing and you talk about upcoming releases and you hunt stuff down for each other. And then we've got, we've got some friends in town who we literally, we call it toy hunting. We'll go around to different stores and look for, look for stuff together. And I, uh, it's just a, it's a, I mean, that's our, some of our funnest Saturdays is like just driving around town with them or going <laughs> on a little mini road trip. And like when we go out of town, um, that kind of guides our, uh, how we go out of town. Like some people, when they go to a new city, they look for restaurants. They like want to go find all the cool local restaurants or they want to go to museums or something like Ryan and I find thrift stores and toy stores. And that kind of helps us and explore new cities. Mm -hmm. Um, and with, you know, just with each other or with friends, too. So it's it's kind of, I've been interested to see how it's, uh, it, it, it really can be a very relational thing. Hmm. Um, we've, we've talked about um, how obsessed geeks can get. Even, even, you know, people who aren't terribly geeky. I mean, obviously, everyone has something that they love. Everyone has yeah. something that that they know very well. And I I feel like that could translate to toy collecting, too. Like, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, just the idea of completing that set, Jen, like you were talking about. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so anybody who, um, you know, who who has a drive to, to collect rare things, to So it may not even be the toy itself it just may be sure. this is rare you know or sure. something like that i mean I, I, I mean especially now that their their toys and action figures are really in a bit of a heyday mm. despite being a primarily petroleum-based product <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a ton of stuff that's unique to con uh it's a, a combined effect of there's just a lot of toys now and companies are succeeding well by making them because movies and things are franchising well with the with action figures and stuff and then also just the fact that 
kind of geek culture is on the rise, all these movies are everywhere, uh, that has blown up a lot of the Comic-Cons, local and big-scale Comic-Cons, right? And so there's a ton of exclusives there that people who probably just like to collect unique items could find attractive in a lot of ways. Now that I got to ask about the collecting thing. Now that's actually why I never got into this kind of stuff. It's just, it's just too much. <laughs> like I remember Pokemon. Yeah. And I got into that and I, I mean, the whole point of the game is to collect them all. Yeah. And then there was the card game, which I did get into when I was a kid. I mean, you got to find the first edition all that stuff. And that's why I thought I could never start. I mean, I just, you can't collect them all. <laughs> They'll always make more of them. And I, I just didn't want to start for that reason. I, I just can't get into it for that reason because I'll just burn myself out and lose lots of money in the process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a very real concern. And you'll, I mean, just like with anything, I mean, I, I think of toy collecting just like, you know, some people like to taste different types of alcohol or like to go to high end restaurants or uh, go try to see as many plays as whatever. Like, this is how we use our leisure money, right? As we uh, we go and find toys together and we collect and everything. And just like you can never go to every restaurant in the world, you're never going to get every toy in the world. So you really do, like, once you get into it, you quickly realize, like, okay, I need to pick this certain line or this certain character to follow. And, uh, you know, some people have more self-control than others, but, and you have to really reevaluate as you go along and you'll see people selling, saying like, oh, I collected this for a while and I'm sick of it and I can't do it anymore. And then, you know, just like in any, any collector world, whether it's antique or toys, you're just, you're going to run across rare things that you're like, oh, I'll never have that. If I ever see it for $50 or $30 or $10, then I'll pick it up. But otherwise, no, I can't go down that road. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's one of those things, too, that it it can it's an easy uh, spiral uh, hobby in the sense that if you're not careful, you can just, yeah, start buying everything you see all the time and you can spiral out of control really fast. However, I've also think that uh, you can find a lot of satisfaction in narrowing what you collect whether you pick a couple of lines of a, of a certain brand or or you say you know, jennifer and i we do a little bit more of that of saying okay well i want this brand um or this show or this whatever right so jennifer wants build-a-bears so we find not just any stuffed animal although she likes other stuffed animals and buys some every now and again the ones that we collect that we like hunt down scour around for or build a bear brand stuffed animals and then others do characters we've got our friends dustin and ashley who uh are the ones that we go toy hunting with dustin loves galactus marvel's galactus and so he'll buy and love anything that's galactus like pretty much anything mm -hmm. and then ashley loves thanos and so anything thanos <laughs> she'll buy like if there's a stick of gum with thanos oh, yeah. on it she wants it yeah so, like, there's – it's actually pretty fun to narrow your collecting in that way um, and you feel pretty satisfied when you meet the parameters. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so uh, that's one way that you, you make sure that you don't become destitute and broke <laughs> off of toys but also continue to enjoy the hobby without just, like, 
you know, crying. And all of us have, Jennifer kind of mentioned it, uh, what are called grail finds. So kind of like, <laughs> you know, King Arthur's Holy Grail or whatever. It's that one thing that we know we're probably never going to have. We dream fondly of it and, you know, lie awake sometimes worrying <laughs> if we'll ever see it in person. You search eBay. <laughs> you search how much it's going for on eBay. You prowl oh. eBay and your soul <laughs> dies every minute that eBay you see something. eBay is so, so dangerous for collecting. Uh, it's terrible. It I wish it didn't it's exist sometimes. <laughs> We kind of mentioned this earlier when we were talking about just what to call toys, but what are some of the various kinds of toys? Um, again, I'm, I'm pretty ignorant on the subject. So are there kinds of toys? Are there like categories you might hear discussed in toy collecting circles? I'd have others that I'd like to ask about specifically because I do know some, but you guys, <laughs> please cover the basics for everyone because <laughs> you know most of it. Well, there there is such a thing as an adult collectible. So some toy lines, it's very clear that at the at the end of the day, their target audience is the adult collecting community. That doesn't mean little kids don't buy it. A great example is uh, Marvel Legends and the Star Wars mm-hmm. Black series line. Very kid friendly, sturdy, sturdy material, and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it says like on the box, it says adult collectible. Like they're they they are marketing it towards. Uh, the collecting audience. And so, for example, if they do polls about characters and whatever else, you don't just find them on, you know, kids TV shows or whatever else. It's, it's pretty narrowly sent out to the action figure review websites and stuff like that. And they're the ones who are bringing in folks. So the design choices or the character choices is guided by the desire to, to service the, the collectible community. Yeah. What exactly, what exactly makes them adult? I would say probably the level of of sculpting, the attention to detail, the inclusion of articulation. That's what pushes it into like the quote unquote. And I say adult because it's not simply marketed for for children's enjoyment. Now, again, it's found in the same aisles and it's for the same purpose. But then there's also just you know more generic uh, toy toys for kids that are meant to have a high play value, so they're fairly sturdy. Um, there's usually a lot of uh, incentive to buy other other parts of it. A good example is Power Rangers and the Megazords. Especially nowadays, it seems like every single Megazord can connect to any single other Megazord in like various ways. And they're constantly telling you, you turn a box around and it'll show you like 20 different combinations with like one other Zord. You know, it's uh, it's to get you to buy as many as you can. Uh, and and kind of do giant Legos with your your Megazords. That's targeted at kids, but it's still really fun and it's still really cool, and they look pretty good. And so some people like myself go, "Hey, I like that. I'll grab that." What other categories would there be? Can you can you think of? I mean, like when you guys are on the floor at a con or something like that. Um, that's what I've used as an example a lot of times. Is okay. That that to me is like the epitome of mass geekdom is going to a con. So it's very if very relevant. If, if you're on the floor, you're talking to a vendor or something, you know, we've talked about articulated, so action figure. Um, uh, I, I have no idea. I can't even give any other examples. Sure. Are there other categories of like as you're discussing things with a vendor? I have you know? a, a thing I can add to that. Like I guess uh, aside from the uh, figurines or the figures themselves, are, are there like uh, 
other kinds of figures. I mean, like you mentioned something like a like a transformer. Yeah. So you mean like you mentioned Power Rangers? I mean, are there like transformers? Sure. Like, yeah. I mean, there's like those Disney things. I mean, they're kind of like vinyl, like vinyl pop. I mean, they're like the same shape but with different yeah decorations on them. And there's like a I don't know, but there's there's all these different kinds of toys. Sure. Uh, what would your what would your rundown be? I mean, of what categories to look for? I mean, action figures for one, vinyls, which is a huge category. It's like Funko Pops. It's uh, Disney Vinylmation. There's there's all kinds of different vinyl figures. They're fairly popular. Uh, kid Can robot. you define like, vinyl for us? It's um it's just the type of plastic that they use, and typically it's a static deformed style of the character in the sense that, you know, the head's oversized and the body proportions are all kind of wonky, uh, but they're typically very cute or like Nick was saying, uh, just decorated really uniquely. But they're all like the exact same model, right? They just have slightly different decorations. Like one looks like uh, Iron Man and another one looks like uh, Power Ranger, but, but they all have that exact same head shape. When they're, when they're in that, in that line, yeah. So Funko Pops, all the Funko Pops look really similar because they have that same base. But then all the Disney Vinylmation look very similar, but they look different than the Funko Pops. Plushies, there's always lots of plushies, uh, you know, whether it's big or small, uh, stuff, stuff, stuff. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, transforming toys, big robots is like a whole category in and of itself. <laughs> um and so you either got high end like choke again, like made out of metal, they're pre assembled. Um, and then you've got plastic model kits that you, you put together yourself. You they come in a box that's got all these different individual injection plastic trays. You know, all the yellow components come on one tray and the other all the blue components come on another tray. And then you put it together, you paint it yourself, uh, so it's a little more involved. And then there's just like the crazy high-end stuff uh, like Hot Toys that are highly articulated, super realistic sculpts, basically have real clothing on the figures, uh, lots hmm. of soft goods and stuff like that. And then statues. I mean I still count statues in our in our realm of stuff uh, and that there's busts to full-size maquettes, um, to all, all that kind of stuff. So. And what's a maquette? Uh, just a huge – Huge, 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 full-sized statue. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, that's a pretty fair rundown of categories that I never would have considered. <laughs> All righty. A Sweet. large majority of the stuff at cons at the booth, I would say, is is fair game for toys. Outside of art, artist kind of stuff, prints and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Along the same lines of being able to walk up to a vendor and kind of know know those categories to get into and to ask for, you know, whatever you're interested in and to help them. I feel like those those categories are going to help them narrow down. Like you were talking about narrowing down what you collect. It's like, oh, because, you know, a lot of people, again, generalizing, yeah. a lot of people think toys as those six inch action figures, you know, or something like that. But sure. you bring up all these other categories and they go, oh, well, I don't mind so much like plushies and stuff that, I mean, that's cool, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. whatever it is. And they go, Oh, okay. And suddenly that's, they're in. So even these categories, I think hopefully will you know, connect some of our audience to something that they like and go, oh, okay. So if I walk up and ask for something like that, it's going to be available because that's, 
Right. That's part of this. So. Right. And, you know, uh, don't be afraid to ask questions, especially of vendors at a con. If you're at a con and it's one of your first times being there, you're going to learn a lot from the vendors. Ask them questions about mm. what they have, what they've had in the past. They're usually fairly knowledgeable, especially at cons. You can look at their booth and if there's stuff you like, ask them about it. They'd mm. love to talk to you about it. Again, Jennifer and I love the community aspect of of toy hunting and toy collecting because we all love to talk about it and we love to talk about it with everyone that that wants to hear. So don't be afraid to ask questions. There's no there's no stupid questions. No one's gonna. Can we hear some examples of some questions that might be helpful that, that for them to I ask? Mean, just ask them if there's more of this. If there's something you like at that at that booth, say hey, are there? Do you have more stuff like this? More and then. Or even ask what it is. If you don't know if it's a plushie or you don't know if it's a certain uh, brand, you know, if it's a certain brand of uh, a figure, a certain line, don't be afraid to ask. If you like it, ask them about it and try to get as many details as you can. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, if you have a category that you like to invest in, ask them if they have any of that category. They'll probably know what you're talking about. Yeah, especially when you, like, find your entry point. So, like, you know, whatever it is that might interests you about collecting like let's say you just you like star wars or specific you specifically you like luke skywalker and you say like i you know i i love luke skywalker i'm looking to like get an action figure of him or something like what would you recommend and for me um i didn't really collect uh until i met ryan and i didn't even i'd never even really noticed about toys like the stuff about the points of articulation and all that, and so I would have been perfectly happy with a toy that barely moved as long as it was a certain character. But now that I know more about it, I really appreciate the, the you know, to use Luke Skywalker for an example still. Like, if Luke can hold his arm in such a way, like, cool, like, pose, you know, that a, a an action figure with no articulation couldn't do. So, I mean, if you were to say, I, I like this character, what... And I want him. I want to display it like this. Then they'll be able to point you to like, oh well, you're going to want Black Series, or you're going to want um, SH Figure Arts, or whatever. Okay, yeah, that's a a good point. Kind of being very open about, you know, it's just going to sit on a shelf, or like you said, you know, yeah. Well, I want to make it part of a scene, you know, or whatever, and and that way they can know better what to what to point you towards. Yeah, what they want to do with it. Although that's a that's another question as well. You mentioned series names. I don't I don't understand. You said something like black and F series or something. So is that <laughs> that the kind of thing that people should get to know kind of quickly if they're looking at, hey, I found this one toy. It was pretty cool. Yeah. This one example. Um yeah. asking around at cons and stuff, they can like find out what series it's from, who makes it, whether they can get more of it and all that that kind of thing. Is that that like Yeah pull on that thread is that kind of the way we're looking at that oh totally totally uh you know a good example is there's a current line of action figures for star wars figures that's called the black series so kind of like almost like a like a label on an alcohol you know like it's the black label <laughs> uh they've, they've called it the black series and if you go to a vendor at a con and say hey i'm looking for star wars black series figures they're going to immediately know what you're talking about. Then they'll try to upcharge you like three, 300%. But <laughs> Okay, so that's another angle. <laughs> it's like also yeah. learn to haggle. So that's, that's a good point though because there's some stuff that's really widely available 
um, that you can get at Target, you can get at Walmart, you can get at uh, most of your local comic book stores without too much to do and for about retail price. That as you learn more about it, you might the first one you might buy might be at a con and you might pay a little bit of a premium, but you hopefully you enjoyed it and uh, it starts to get you asking questions about it and you start to find where you can get them for cheap or where you can get rare or old ones. Um, whether it's a, you know a cool place like a local comic book shop or kind of a fun place like a peddler's mall or flea market or something, the more the yeah the the more you can know about the line itself, the more you'll know about what's out there for you to collect. And we we've we've, we've talked about collecting the entire time. Um, I kind of asked around a little bit because a lot of people have been interested in this episode and what you guys would would say and uh, about the toy collecting community and everything. And one of the questions I got was, what makes something collectible? And I'm assuming that question had more to do with value, as in what, what makes something valuable as in collectible. Um, maybe they didn't. Maybe they just meant, why is this important to collect, which I think we've kind of talked about. But yeah. Um, when when you go and you're talking to a vendor and it's a collectible i mean you're what makes something collectible what what are the criteria for that you know if you want it if people want it it's a collectible i don't you <laughs> no, know that's it's, it's that's a, exactly what i was about to say i was like uh, you make it collectible <laughs> right. so but if a lot of people want it i i keep thinking of uh i used to read wizard magazine and the back of that they always had you know, the comics price guide. Um, and of course there was the, uh, sister magazine toy fair, um, which had a similar yeah. price guide. So yeah. if we are talking purely valuable, I mean, if you're just asking what makes something skyrocket in price or, or, or be valuable in, in a sense, like it's, it, it, it factors into a lot of the same things of how many were produced. Um, how widely available was it? So it might've been produced in, fairly large numbers but you can only give it through get it through one okay. one avenue and a lot of people didn't have access to that avenue mm-hmm. um or you know a company was just stupid and underestimated the demand highly and so there was less out there but uh than than what popular demand is and for it's it. even sometimes stuff is not popular at the time and becomes popular later like it's not popular when it's exactly. on, in Target, you know, or widely available at retail. But then a year later, a year or two later, you know, that character might get his own movie or TV show. And all of a sudden, everyone wants that figure. But because so few were sold at retail, then the aftermarket is really small and it makes makes it really valuable and costs a lot. A good funny example will be Finn... The Finn action figure in the Star Wars Black series <laughs> mm-hmm. um, from the new Force Awakens movie, he was overpacked in each case. So for every case, there were two Finns, and he was a fairly ho hum action figure. You know, it's a and this is dude, Black series. Yeah, it's a dude in a jacket with a gun, and at the time, <laughs> none of us knew who he was. Mm. And you know, the movies come out since the the line launched, and obviously, most people like ourselves love. The character of Finn, um, but even still, the character design is kind of bland. And so it would be funny if in like a year or two or after the next Star Wars where we really get to see Finn do a lot more, um, hopefully. Like it will be funny if those figures that were 
and are still like you probably can go to Target and find like three to five fins sitting on the peg. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you like it's probably going to like jump up in price, whereas right now like stores can't give them away for free. It's just <laughs> one of those funny things. It, it will probably work out like that, but it won't be yeah. available at the time, and so people will hunt them, hunt them down, and find all the people who are hoarding. Hmm. Like ten fins right now for that purpose or whatever. <laughs> An investment. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I have a friend who um got into Legos, and so you know they have a billion different oh, yeah. Lego series. And what he started doing was buying the current ones. So and buying you know reasonable price. It's just yeah. normal retail retail price, and then putting them in a spare room somewhere. A ton of them, and then. A couple of years later, selling them on eBay because those series have been uh, discontinued. They only come out for a certain amount. It reminds me of like the Disney vaults. You only have the movies for so long. So is that a a common thing in in, not in collecting and everything, but just in the release of toys? It can be. Yeah, It it goes from company to company. Lego's a good example of of what I hate, but it works really well for them. (laughs) You know, they, they do that. They'll make a certain pirate ship. And and you know, while it's in production, it's in production, and they will never, ever reproduce that that set. Mm-hmm. They might make another pirate ship in mm-hmm. a year or two, but it's going to be a totally different set. Okay, it's not even it's not going to be a re-release of the old one or anything like that. It's a it's a completely new, different thing. And so, for some who just need a Lego pirate ship, they're set when they get one. But for others who want to collect every single lego set or whatever or all the pirate ships you know they need that and other pirate ship even though it might look very similar and only have a couple differences it's technically an entirely <laughs> different set and so that kind of stuff happens all the time mm. but then other companies will be pretty knowledgeable and they'll either do something smart like issue a, a repaint so it's the same figure it's the same thing but it's a different color so uh, mm-hmm. For those people who need to buy every single thing, they'll they'll pick it up. But then for those who might have missed that figure in the past or didn't like that color scheme, they'll they'll get the repaint. Transformers are notorious for this. The TV show uh, straight up just made whole new characters by giving them different colors, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, <laughs> so it worked. So uh, so we know, call that a palette swap. <laughs> oh man, it's perfect. Well, because with Transformers, Bumblebee was a gold little uh, you know VW bug, and then they made Cliff Jumper. He started out as a toy, a red version of the gold Bumblebee, uh, exact same figure but red, and uh, people loved it so much they ended up just you know doing the palette swap on the animation too because it was just as easy. So. So they'll do stuff like that, or other companies. Uh, one company that does this really well is Good Smile Company, which owns Figma, which is a line of Japanese articulated uh, action figures that usually focuses around anime characters and stuff. They'll they'll see that they're that certain figures in high demand, so they'll re-release it. Mm-hmm. And so for people like me who just want that figure, period, it's awesome. It, it, so it really serves those the the part of the community that doesn't need the first release. Mm-hmm. That has that like, oh, I need a first edition buzz, uh, but just like, no, I just want the figure, and mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't want to pay aftermarket prices, and I wasn't able to be up at three a.m. in the morning to pre-order your figure because in Japan it's one in the afternoon or whatever, but in <laughs> America it's three in the morning, and so some companies do that. So it it depends on the company, it depends on the line. 
uh, you just kind of have to know, okay, hey, this figure is going to get popular enough and my, that company re-releases stuff so I don't need to freak out right now. Or you need to go, oh, man, that's never going to come out again. I need to need to go get it now. The problem with – I prefer when th- stuff gets re-released because it keeps the aftermarket, pri- aftermarket prices down and it gets the money into the hands of the company. I want the people making the stuff to get paid. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't like aftermarket prices and because of that, there's just a ton of scalpers who will – Get to those places, they figure out what's popular, they'll buy it early when it's kind of hard to get and and start upcharging it and, and you know trick people into paying them yeah. more money for it, uh, which just kind of bums me out as a as a part of the community because it, it hurts. You know, it's the same difference of people bit torrenting videos or music or whatever else. It's the artist and the, you know, the producer of the, of the art gets no gets no financial uh, compensation for it. And so it, it bums us out. Mm. Also just makes it hard for us to get. That's the difference with music and stuff is like, well, it's still readily available. But for us, if some guy runs around town buying up all the action figures, that means I couldn't go around town buying all the action figures I wanted. <laughs> yeah, which crazily enough does happen. Like someone will go around a whole city and create an artificial need for it, an artificial scarcity and then try to drive up prices just like as stuff is coming out. So, I mean, yeah, scalping is a, can be a huge issue in the toy community. I mean, it's a gamble because, you know, like your friend buying Legos and selling them later. Like I've heard some statistics or something about how like Legos have outperformed the stock market in some <laughs> respects because they go up in value so consistently. But then like, mm-hmm. like if someone for example went out and bought all the fins then you'd be screwed because you're paid twenty dollars a pop for it and then you could can't hardly give it away so i mean it's a you know it's almost like playing the stock market but you know it's scalpers Mm -hmm. and we don't like them because yeah it just it messes it up for everybody because it the toy companies don't have a good a good uh, picture of who's buying what and when and then exactly. um, mm-hmm. and then the rest of us are left trying to decide like well do I try to hunt it down retail or wait for a con or do I pay this artificial premium because someone knows that Ray is super popular and so I'm going to go get all the Ray stuff and try to mm-hmm. cheat people out of money <laughs> <laughs> back to the the fin thing because i'm i'm thinking i might actually get this now (laughs) so before we got started here i was asking about the name of your podcast which is peg warmers (laughs) why don't don't you guys tell me what peg warmer means and uh, any other lingo a newbie might hear in in toy collecting circles yeah, so Finn is a peg warmer. Uh, what that means is uh, it's a toy that, you know, the little metal bar that uh, hangs on a on the wall of a retail store, that's a peg. And then any toy that hangs there for a long time, it's peg warming, like bench warming. So something like Finn is a is a peg warmer, so that's, that's why we named our podcast what we did. So Okay. As far as other lingo, um, mm-hmm. I mean, we've mentioned... Articulation that just means like all the ways different ways a toy can move. Well, like after aftermarket was an interesting one. Yeah, aftermarket. Yeah, you know, it's when stuff gets put up on eBay or sold at a, a comic book store or a flea or a market con. or Peddler's Mall or Con for you know just after you know outside of 
major retail or uh, outside of them purchasing themselves from the vendor. Hot off the peg, you know, something that's popular is, is a term that we like to use on the podcast. Uh, you mentioned con exclusives earlier. What does that mean? Uh, stuff that's made tip at smaller cons. It's typically a repaint of some sort that they were able to do a small run of. So it's a, a probably a figure or something that's that's out there already or going to be out there soon, and they are able to swing some kind of fun repaint of it. But it's something they'll only be able to find at the con. You'll only or be able in the to find it right at that con or at the aftermarket. Okay. Uh, so closely related to that is like stores will get exclusives sometimes so like uh even walgreens like walmart target toys r us walgreens will get exclusive figures and in a certain line they'll negotiate to you know to drive us toy collectors to their different stores so Mm -hmm. they'll get like three pack or something like sometimes it's stuff that you can't find at all in other stores and sometimes it's just a color variation or just a packaging with a special sticker on it or something yeah (laughs) i actually heard of a term that you guys can explain a blind box oh that's a whole type of that's a whole type of figure to add that to the type list first of all jennifer and i loathe the creation of any kind of blind box or blind bag things because it's a lottery monopoly scandal Uh, however (laughs) blind bags blind boxes depending on you know if it's in a box or a bag uh basically it will say, "Hey, this this wave has these characters in it, but you don't you're unable to see the character, you're unable to see the item, so uh, you buy it going in blind, and then you open it up and figure out find out who you got." And so typically, and it's never what you want. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that's another good term to define case. So okay, yeah, there's a couple of terms: series, wave, case, stuff like that. Um, series is a broad umbrella term, so the Black Series, just this big term for all of these Star Wars figures in it. Um, and then a wave is a is a subset of that series, so whatever number wave or with Marvel Legends, they don't do it by numbers, they do it by um, either, cap- they'll do a character name, so it's a certain Captain America wave, um, or uh, if they do Another term is build a figure where they'll they'll sell you an action figure um, and then there will be like a random limb of another character packed in with each figure from that series, from that wave. Okay, so series is like like it's a toy maker's line of things or is it like the series is, well, these are the – this is the Marvel universe and this is the Star Wars universe that each one is a series? Or yes. Okay. okay. Well, they can. There could be multiple series for a franchise. So, like Marvel has six-inch action figures, and then three yes. and three-quarter-inch action yes. figures. And for simplicity's sake, I'll just say that the six-inch figures are, are called Marvel Legends, and then the the three and three-quarter-inch used to be called Marvel Universe. And so that was the series name. Like the six-inch Marvel series was Marvel Legends, and then the wave is how is how they release them so like uh for captain america civil war there was a there was a captain america civil war marvel legends wave so it was like 
it's like six to eight figures that are released all at the same time and hit stores all at the same time. And then usually within those waves, what Ryan was talking about with the Build-A-Figure, so it'll be, you know, six to eight different characters, but then they'll come with a piece of an additional character, that, and you have to get all six to eight of those figures to build that figure. So, like, Hulk is a great example, because he's a huge character. Each of those figures within the wave, like, one will come with Hulk's right leg, left leg, torso, so on, so you have to get every figure in the wave to make that build a figure and then a case is just how they're packaged and sold to stores or to individuals so like typically a case will be will contain one of each figure one in a wave or sometimes if they think that a a particular figure is going to be super popular like spider-man they'll double pack spider-man so like a case will have every figure in the wave but two of the Spider-Mans because they think that they're going to sell through Spider-Man really fast. Okay, thanks for that. I I don't really follow this, so... <laughs> I know, I Super know. fascinating, I know. <laughs> All right, uh, really quick, because again, uh, I feel like this is something that even the the public at large has has heard about the debate between out of the box and in the box collecting and go <laughs> well there's no debate in our house <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> what what is the normal debate because i know i know your your friends the ones that you mentioned earlier i i know they're strict in the box people right they are mm-hmm. okay so what are the what what do people say about both sides of this argument? Well, the 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 argument for stuff being in the box is that the packaging is just as much of a part of of the item as it is as it is the figure, and so they really enjoy how how crisp how crisp and clean it looks in package. It's easy to stack. It's easy to display. You know, they look they look really good. You know, nothing's wrong with them. It's also a completion kind of thing. You know the thing is sealed. You know you're not missing any parts unless there's a factory error, but that just makes it more fun because then you try to find all the different ones if there's multiples of the same one, but there is a run of a factory error or something like that. There's there's a lot to it. And unfortunately, we're you know now now it's all kind of all over the place. Some companies really used to make the boxes and stuff, have a lot of great artwork on them. So it's really fun to pick those up because you'll get classic artwork or unique artwork and it's not just about protecting the figure and shipping that that that's a lot of the the reasons for inbox well and just holding the value uh yes easily to resell okay and jen in your household what why out of box i mean it's a it's a lot of of what we talked about earlier just that uh we enjoy the the tactile aspect of of collecting and of action figures you know we just don't see a lot of point of having a highly articulated figure and then not enjoying just the the, the (laughs) yeah exactly the design of it and the way it can move and um and just display we think it looks they look way cooler displayed out of the box um and it's just it's more efficient having them out of the box too like space wise true so yeah i mean we know like there there have been times where we have only been able to find something like something old in package and we 
buy, you know, we still, you know, we'll get it for a fairly good deal, but, like, we know right before we rip it open that we're just, like, breaking someone's heart across the world <laughs> that we've, like, found this mint condition thing, but we just want it out of the package. <laughs> so. We do our best not to open our stuff in front of our friends, Dustin Ashley, who like to collect inbox. <laughs> so we know a bit of them dies every single time yeah. they see us. I, I buy a lot of stuff that's pretty widely available and so what that means too is that it was mass market it was mass produced mm -hmm. and so there's errors there's paint errors there's articulation errors uh the black panther figure from the movie that i got every single one that's out in existence right now the biceps are on the wrong side um <laughs> and so you know if you open it up he can't like put his arms all the way down because his you know his biceps are going the opposite way. So <laughs> since I took him out of the I took him out of the case, I could pop his arms off and switch them and stuff. And so I have a nicer version of Black Panther than those who have it in box because <laughs> um, my mine's arms aren't wonky. Right. And uh, and I like to I like to customize and paint stuff, and so it's fun to take it out of the box and add my own little flair to it or if they missed something that a detail that I really like I can add it um, or a good example is uh, a lot of the the turtles Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figures mm -hmm. they're they're marketed towards kids uh, but they've actually got a lot of sculpting detail on them mm -hmm. but one way to keep them at that really low kid price point is to have the sculpting there and then not paint it okay. painting is where price usually skyrockets and so I love getting them because it's fun. It's nice that they're cheap because, for whatever reason, I continually buy these four same <laughs> characters over and over again. Sure. Um, and uh, you know, so I like to buy all four of them at once when I can. But I get to paint them and bring out that detail that's in the sculpt in the figure already, mm -hmm. but it doesn't pop because it's you know one giant hunk of one color plastic. Uh, but with just a little bit of paint, you start to see what that sculptor was trying to do, and it, it just it, it stands out. It ends up looking like a completely different toy, uh, like a completely different thing than what you started out with. So uh, that's that's a bit of why we like to open stuff. You guys have have mentioned um, just. A ton of, of people who make figures I mean, and wide variety of kinds of figures or toys or whatever. Um, who are some of your favorites? Like if you had to give a shout out to some people who are just, they, they put out quality work. It's figures that you enjoy. Um, they do well, you know, by their customers because, you know, we mentioned that earlier too. What are just some really good, solid toy companies? And if you want to throw in a few awesome sculptors as well, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Yeah, I mean, for me, I collect plushes probably more than action figures. So, uh, like Ryan mentioned earlier, I love Build-A-Bear. I think that they just do a really good job. Um, they've gotten into franchises a lot more, too. So, they, I mean, just high quality, and then you get the added you know, experience of getting to, to stuff your own bear, um, and kind of in a way customize it that you don't really get that experience with plushes. Usually it's just usually taking it off the shelf and getting it. And then I'll get Disney plushes here and there too. And sometimes a little, uh, Pokemon from 
uh, Takara Tomi. And then as far as action figures, um, Ryan and I discovered, or well, Ryan discovered this line called I Am Elemental. Is that the name of the company, honey, or is that the figure line? I think it's both. You think it's both? Yeah, I think it's both, too. Uh, that but, was a successful Kickstarter. That was a successful yeah. Kickstarter that became... Yeah, you'll see, you're seeing that more and more with toys, uh, They'll do like they'll do a Kickstarter campaign, um, f- especially for toys that are not connected to a franchise, like sculptors who are just super talented and want to start uh, a, a line independent of any other marketing. So, like the I Am Elemental is a line of female superheroes, and they're uh, meant to represent different virtues like bravery, intelligence, ingenuity, that kind of thing. Hmm. And so, I've got everything that they've put out so far so that's a that's an and those are action figures they do three and three quarter inch and six inch action action figures i also collect ryan i'll get into these more but also do um some dc action figures and then also marvel legends uh Hmm. which are six inch and then star wars black series and all three of those lines i do uh just female figures but ryan can expand on those a little bit more yeah i uh I primarily collect, as far as companies, Bandai Japan has a, a line called SH Figure Arts, and they do uh, they do Power Rangers, which in Japan is called Super Sentai, and they do Kamen Rider, they do Marvel and Star Wars now, they're starting to do more of, and then they'll do the occasional, like there's some daft punk action figures, <laughs> the, and there's a Michael Jackson one, and a Freddie Mercury, and... They do, they do, you know, different. I need different. a Freddie Mercury. That's awesome. Oh, it, it's an awesome figure. <laughs> the, the super articulated, high end, nice quality, great sculpt, lots of painting. I, I, I love a lot of what they do. If it's figure arts, I'm probably tempted by it. And then, like Jennifer was saying, I, I do enjoy Marvel Legends, which in the Black series for Star Wars, and those are both uh, done by Hasbro, the company Hasbro. And DC Collectibles, now DC Collectibles is just fantastic. They do seven-inch uh, scale figures, and they're usually really highly sculpted. They used to favor sculpt over articulation, and they still do. But it used to be like, hey, highly sculpt this, and then throw in a few points of articulation. Mm. Now it's a big selling point to have a lot of good articulation. And so now they're adding a lot more in, which brings me into it a lot because I've always enjoyed the sculpt but then said, well, it's basically a statue with how little articulation is there. But now there's a lot more. And so it's been awesome. And we've actually got a guy in Louisville, uh, Jonathan Matthews, who sculpts for DC Collectibles, and he does a fantastic job. So, I mean, I I imagine you guys have a pretty extensive collection of things. Yes. Um, if you could pick one toy to that you just absolutely love, um, what is that one toy and why? You go first, Jennifer, because mine's better. <laughs> That's so mean. <sighs> oh no, she's, it it will work out. It'll work out. Ah, uh, I have no idea. It's way too hard to narrow it down. <laughs> I can pick yours for you. Are you kidding me? Okay, then pick mine for me because I have no idea. Tell me something you like more than your Build-A-Bear Red Fox. 
Oh yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say toothless. Build a bear okay. did a toothless. That's so 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 cute. From um, How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, I wanted and, to get that one for Nick. Oh, it's amazing. I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, and then the build bear also did a just a generic red fox, but it's just it's very well done, very pretty colors, and yeah. Oh, I'm looking it up right now. It is cute. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Jennifer doesn't like to buy duplicates of things, and okay. whereas whereas sometimes I'm tempted to because I like it so much, I want a hoard of it. But <laughs> <laughs> he likes to he likes to army build. Yeah. <laughs> That's another toy term it for you. Term, yeah. <laughs> but Jennifer wants multiple red foxes. Like it's that thing <laughs> that if you saw it or if she found it for a good price, even though she already owns it, she'd still buy it. Right. And so I know that's <laughs> I know that's something she likes. All right, Ryan, what's yours? So I have a bunch of SH figures. Like even looking at it right now, I'm probably looking at I don't even know, probably over a hundred. No, I don't want to know that. <laughs> um, but the, the one that started it was from Jennifer. We were still <laughs> dating, and it was the first my first birthday for us together. Mm-hmm. And she got me the uh, a, a Power Rangers, a Red Ranger, Power Rangers Samurai SH figures that for whatever reason they exported to two figures from that line to the to Toys R Us and they've never you've never been able to get a figure arts from Toys R Us since in the United huh. States um and she ended up getting me that for my birthday cuz she knew I like Power Rangers and that opened the floodgates to the SH figure <laughs> arts and so I still look fondly at it it's up in the front of my shelf mm-hmm. and uh it also just reminds me of Jennifer like I know where I got most of my toys cuz when I go on vacation that's what I I get. I don't get a T-shirt. I don't get a mug. I don't get a shot glass. I get. I get an action figure, even if it's not a particularly remarkable action figure. I know where I got it. If it's you know, even if it's just one I was been looking for, when I get it on vacation, I know. I know where I got it from, and it and it reminds me of that. So that figure, while others are newer and fancier, reminds me of of Jennifer and of just all the other figures that I now own. So they're like keepsakes. Oh, for sure. A ton of my action figures. Yeah, that's a good aspect of collecting that we haven't really touched on, just like how it can be. Yeah, it can be sentimental in a lot of ways. Like I mentioned before, like we'll find places to toy hunt and new cities and and that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, it reminds us of going to that place or it reminds or like if we give gifts to one another, it reminds us of each other or a certain occasion. Like I've gotten build bears certain build bears on like really special occasions like when i've finished my books like i have certain build bears that kind of mark that day and so that's a that's another really fun aspect of collecting cuz you know you could go out for a nice meal or you could get something that is going to last forever um it, that you can look at and just be reminded of just you know a a good moment in your life and this is writing books not reading books i don't want people to oh yeah think Sorry. something like i, I finished <laughs> reading a book no no, no. Writing yeah that's a book. Uh, re- reading a whole book is is a good accomplishment but i've done that many <laughs> times over but yeah right writing and publishing a book <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess my last question is, 
where can newbies go to really dig up some fantastic figures? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, that's actually more places than you'd think. You can walk into Target or Toys R Us or you know any major retail store and find figures. Um, but then also cons are great places. Sometimes you run into markups, uh, but you know cons typically have stuff that you're looking for in retail that you can't otherwise find. And sometimes you'll get really good deals on stuff, you know, some, like we have certain vendors that we follow around the local cons because they uh, will give us good deals on stuff. And then uh, eBay, we mentioned earlier, is a uh, somewhere where you can usually find just about anything in the world, but be prepared to pay a markup. And then our favorite is uh, just going thrifting. That's, uh, you know, anything from Goodwill. And Ryan mentioned uh, there's peddlers malls um flea markets all kinds of all kinds of fun stuff let's wrap this thing up so there's a lot more to toy collecting than i could have imagined um and i i i knew a thing or two uh, just from working at a retail store where we sold a lot of toys. Um, it was a movie store, so it was, you know, specifically a lot of geeky toys and, um, you know, sure. things that were popular and fly off the shelves and all that. So I'm, I was familiar in that sense. But yeah, there's a lot of categories and there are a lot of reasons to do this. Um, you know, like you guys mentioned, participating in something that you love um, in a different way, which honestly, I'd never really considered that aspect. I know that sounds silly because I have my own small toy collection and I have them because I enjoy uh, either the sculpt or I enjoy the character, you know, or whatever. A few other things that you guys mentioned, the fact that it's relational uh, as far as collecting, hunting for those things, doing something you love with other people, showing what you love as far as being a fan of something so you can connect on that level, that maybe a good bridge for uh, a bridge. I should say gateway, since that's the name of the podcast. Um, a great gateway for uh, non-geeks to, to get into toy collecting is finding figures for sort of non-geeky properties, because there's likely a toy for the thing, the person, whatever that they love. Yeah. Trying to, to just Google that. I don't know why, but uh, The Office and Big Bang and Stuff like that just keeps coming to mind. I'd figure those would be perfect, like sitting on your desk at work, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Or buying yeah. for a coworker. You guys gave plenty of categories uh, for people to kind of consider, which, again, I probably wouldn't have thought of half of those. So thank you very much for doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just in discussing all of the various categories, kind, makers, all that stuff, um, you know, hopefully... Our, our newbies have plenty to consider when it comes to toy collecting, uh, plenty of questions to ask, plenty of ways, new ways to look at toys and really find that thing they love so they can start collecting as well. I, I usually write out all of the various terms and properties and all that kind of stuff. And this is going to be a challenging episode because <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things have been mentioned that I know nothing about. So this has been chock full of information um, and hopefully a great resource for our newbies. So thank you guys so much for joining us and, and giving us just a glimpse into the toy world. No problem. Yeah. Thanks for having us.
Thanks for listening to another podcast of Gateway Geek. You can find links to everything we mentioned, yes, everything, on our website, entergatewaygeek.com. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for geeking out.